Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's episode, we have part two of our conversation with Dr. Mayor Pandia and Joe Casper of A Sports. Joe is also an assistant co- coach at Duke. And today we're going to talk about how we blend together what they've done in their business, this idea of sports psychiatry with performance. And Joe and the doctor uh, get into the details of that here. Before we get into today's episode, this episode is about developing the whole athlete, which is part of our football development model. Our football development model is designed to help you build youth football in your community. Please check that out at fdm.usafootball.com. Enjoy today's episode. Well, Joe, looking at the coaching element, which we said is, is made up of the preparation, including intentionality, effort, and discipline, if you would dig into those a little bit for us, Joe, and explain how those fit together. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you think about those three elements, I mean, those are very traditional in uh, traditional, you know, if you were to ask any coach, for example, uh, critical cornerstones to their philosophy, you would find maybe explicitly written or, or um, under the, under the uh, surface, uh, an identification of intentionality, effort, and discipline. Um, and, you know, intentionality to me is, is about, and to us at ACE, is really about an awareness, right? We want to be particular with what we are doing. We want to be sure we're doing, um, the elements of what we're doing drives us towards a purpose. And, you know, what we don't want to do is, is uh, it goes back to kind of the, the old John Wooden saying of um, activity does not equal achievement, right? We want to be uh, intentional with what we're doing. We want to be particular and detailed in what we're doing so that we know that we're striving towards something. We're not just doing stuff to do stuff. So there has to be a, a, a reasoning behind it, if you will, um, a why uh, in a sense. And I think that that is a critical piece. And the player has to understand that. The coach has to understand that. The administrator has to understand it. Anyone that, that uh, you know, is, is trying to be as energy pie aware as possible has to have a clear understanding of why they're doing something. They can't be uh, engaging in activity just to engage in activity. And I think the, the next level element to it or the, the level of depth that we add to it uh, in our teaching at ACE is, is an understanding that that intentionality applies to everything. And you've heard me reference it in the, in the last time we got a chance to chat. You've heard me reference it a little bit. Uh, in this session, you know, really being aware and, of, of how everything has to be intentional. And, and, you know, when you think about it in a traditional sense of like in nutrition, right, you know, the high-performance athletes we deal with have an immense amount of uh, investment in their nutrition habits. And they're very intentional with what they put in their body. Nothing gets put in their body without a reason. 
So when you think about that and apply that thought process on a larger scale, you know, it's nothing gets watched on TV without a reason. Nothing gets read without a reason. Nothing gets consumed uh, from a social media standpoint without a reason. Uh, If you're willing to go to that level of detail in your intentionality, you will optimize your pie. And like we've always said, you know, the the pie is relative to each and every person. So you've got to kind of gauge your audience um, and gauge yourself. And, you know, through reflection and awareness, you can, you can get a sense of that. The, The second element effort, you know, effort is a, is a given in many sense. In, in, in much of, uh, you know, in, in much instances, in many of the instances, effort has to be a given, right? You have to be willing to commit energy uh, to the overall process, to the awareness. I have to be willing to think about these things. I have to be willing to uh, give effort and, and have, have an understanding that there is going to be some strain. It's not going to be uh, it's not going to be an easy process in every sense of the word. So we have to foster effort in a sense of putting that effort and channeling that effort towards an awareness and then discipline. And, it, and the discipline element is really an understanding of what's right and what's wrong at the, at the ground level, um, which, again, you know, you would, you would find that in every coaching handbook, I think, in America, no matter the sport, right? Uh, an understanding of what's right and what's wrong. I think what where where we seek discipline though is sometimes deciding between two rights or taking the the lesser wrong. Um, I think that's an element of discipline that gets left out, and that's an element that we try and emphasize is figuring out what's more right, what's less wrong, what's what are we, what can we do to optimize the situation. Um, and, and how can we, through our energy pie awareness, optimize those situations? That, to me, is, the, is, the, is really the, the overarching piece to, to how energy pie differentiates from a discipline standpoint. Because everybody has an understanding of what's right and what's wrong, you know, at its core. And it's easy to teach those elements. That's the bare minimum. Uh, what we want to do is take it to that next level of optimizing those choices. And that's where you're really talking about energy pie discipline when you're talking about really optimizing the choices and decisions that you make mindful of mindful of and aware of your overarching high overarching uh, energy consumption process and what that looks like. Mayor with the clinical element, you identified that as stability, which consists of self identity environment and goals. Can you go through and explain each of those and how those uh, fit to form the stability element? Yeah, absolutely. So, trying to piggyback on what uh, Joe talked about, um, you know, we we believe that all of these things, you know, make up great performers. Um, but when coupled together, you really can really get to that elite level. So, from a from a quote unquote clinical standpoint, and when we talk about stability, we're talking about psychological stability, right? Psychological awareness of the things that are going to impact your, your psychological state. This isn't necessarily emotional stability because we know that there are plenty of great performers and elite performers who, um, who struggle with mental health issues, but once they step on the field or on the court, they actually can channel a lot of their emotional um, uh, difficulties in very productive ways. So when we talk about psychological stability, we're talking about an understanding and an awareness of who they are and, and kind of, 
what, how they feel about things that are important to them. And so when we talk, number one, about self-identity, we're talking about uh, an understanding of who you are, right? Who are you as a person? Um, do you identify yourself primarily and solely as an, as an athlete? Um, do you, or do you also, you know, think that of yourself as a husband or a, um, or a uh, boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or some other aspect of your identity that's, that's still very important to you? And what part of the pie does that make up, right? It, it can be that maybe you, you, you identify 75% of yourself as an athlete and 25% of yourself as a spouse. Well, okay, but it is what it is and it's going to be very different for each person. But until you understand that and you acknowledge that it, it's hard to going back to what Joe said, understand your, your, your why. Right. And it always makes me think of um, uh, a great author and uh, motivational speaker by the name of Simon Sinek, who write, who wrote a really uh, great book called start with why. And what he says in that, in that book is, you know, great, companies, great individuals who have achieved great success, um, always understand kind of what they do. They understand, you know, how they do it, most companies, but very few individuals understand why they do something, right? And if you start with why, how and what become much easier to kind of identify. And so we, we solely buy into that. We, we, we believe that you have to start with why you have to understand your purpose. Um, looking at environments, um, these are people, places, things, right? You have to understand your priorities. You have to understand your um, expectations of um, individuals around you, your own expectations, um, and how all of these influences internally and externally um, affect you, right? And how that's going to affect your approach. And that's, and then lastly, we have goals, right? Um, this is, you know, in, in the very sort of concrete um, uh, perspective, this is obviously like what, what it is you want to achieve. But, you know, we also look at your future orientation, right? Like what is it that you are looking at going forward? And are you looking at, you know, where you will be going forward? Many people sort of live in the present, which is great, but they don't ever think about kind of where they – where where they want to be, you know, six months out, one year out, five years out, 10 years out. And I think you have to kind of go through that exercise and you have to have some future orientation in order to have great success. So kind of taking a step back, I know this is probably, there's a lot of words here and a lot of concepts that make it difficult, um, you know, without some visual representation. But if you think about it, th there are three overarching sort of domains that we believe affects performance mentality. Again, to, to summarize, if you think about it, number one is purpose. Number two is approach. Number three is commitment, right? And then under each of those, there's a 1A and a 1B, a 2A and a 2B and a 2A and a 2B, or a 3A and 3B, if that makes sense. Um, so purpose is your why, which is intentionality plus identity. Right. So as Joe said, this is your your direction, what drives you towards something, plus an understanding of who you are. Right. You can have direction. You can kind of feel like you need to go in this direction. But if you don't know who you are, that direction may be sort of misguided. Right. So you have to have both of those. Number two is approach. You got to have 
effort or intensity, right, that you put into your prep preparation, but you also have to know how your environment and the expectations of your environment affect you, right? Um, we know that if you have a lot of intensity, which most elite athletes have, they have this obsessive level of um, dedication and desire to do well, but if they don't sort of take into account an understanding of, of the people or places or things around them, that obsessive dedication can quickly be steered in the wrong direction. And we see, you know, this very destructive kinds of uh, tendencies like substance abuse or gambling that arise when people don't really take into account their environment and just focus on the intensity piece. And then number three is commitment. And under the commitment, we have the discipline, um, as Joe said, you know, which is, is the consistency in which you do things. It's your what, right? How you, what you do, right? Every day I get up, I go, I go to work or I go to practice and I do it this way. Um, but you got to couple that with your, your, your goals, right? Your future orientation. And that is short term goals plus long term goals. Many people don't think of, of both short and long term um, goals. You know, uh, I always tell people, you know, if you look at the number of football athletes in 2014, there were 1.1 million high school student athletes that were that were uh, involved in, in playing football. Yet there were only 300 new players entering the NFL that year. So that that's I mean that's only 0.03 percent of individuals who are actually going to make it to the NFL. So you have to really understand kind of where it is you want to go, and you got to couple all of this stuff together to really achieve great success. So I know then you guys really look at the application of this. You know, we have these things that are going into optimal performance mentality, again, both from the coaching element and the clinical element. And then you start to look at the ways this is applied to different things. So if we look at, as an example, um, how does this apply to practice habits? Yeah, I think that that's, so I think that's really, that's a good question. Uh, and one where I'd like to start you touched on it uh, when you mentioned the, the term percentages, right? Um, you have to really have an understanding uh, of a percentage of your pie. Now, I think when you think about when, when we say practice habits, you know, this is a kind of an individualized science. This is a little bit tough to, you know, it, when you're talking about the energy pie of a team or a roster, for example, it's, very, it's a lot more difficult to really manage that on a, on a group basis. It's more of, a, of an individual basis, right? So in terms of practice habits, it's really about are we devoting ourselves, like in going back to what I said in my piece about intentionality, are we really being intentional at practice or are we distracted? And it comes down to a, an understanding of our percentage of investment, right? So, for example, we may take a, a player's given day and have an understanding of I'm going to devote 20% of my given day to my practice, right, to physical practice. And within that, there's going to be 10% of my day is going to be reflection on that practice, whether it be through film study. And then 5% of my day is going to be surrounded by body maintenance, right? And we're really going to try and, you know, speaking on application, we're going to try and apply it to the athlete's uh, day like that, right? And, and 5% doesn't mean five minutes. It doesn't mean five hours or one hour or, or uh, you know, 50% doesn't mean 12 hours at a 24-hour day. It's not so much linked to time as it's linked to your energy. 
So if, you know, watching film is easy for you, it comes naturally to you, you're able to see things and visualize things easily, then, you know, your, uh, you may be devoting 20% of your energy to um, film watching, and that may be too much, you know, in terms of your energy investment, right? You may be able to understand what you're looking at and only need to invest 10 to 15% of your energy. So in terms of applicability, I think what's important is, you know, you have to shape an individualized plan for each of the athletes, right? And as it references directly to practice habits in a traditional coaching sense, you know, it has to come back to how are we optimizing our practice, pre-practice, post-practice, during practice, how are we optimizing our intentionality within that on a player-to-player basis? And, you know, what does each position require from its own individual energy pie um, from a football standpoint, and again, this is universal. This is obviously a, a football-centric podcast, but you know, this is really universal to all athletes. So, it's, and it's it's an easier, again, like I said, it's easier to apply this thinking and this thought process and this theory on an individual basis with the athlete. It's it's less about a team study, but you have to have an understanding as it pertains to practice of where your team really needs to invest its energy and invest its focus, and those kind of things can be measured out. Uh, in a very traditional coaching sense of simply where you are and where you need to get to, maybe from a schematic standpoint or from a physical conditioning standpoint, and an understanding of, you know, time does not equal energy, right? And I think you can think of that in the sense of doing like a wind sprint, for example. You know, we may get great return on doing conditioning after practice, but we don't need to devote 20% of our entire practice to conditioning uh, post-practice. So, I think you you have to be mindful of the fact that um, this concept is individualistic in nature, and when you try and apply it to a to a bigger group or to a collective, I think you have to bastardize some of the principles to a degree to try and fit into a bunch of energy pies, which I think is really a tough process to do. Um, big picture. So when I'm looking at this from an individual standpoint, and I want to maximize each of my players. Um, you know, abilities, uh, their mental performance and their physical performance. What, what kind of, I guess, tools have you developed for either that athlete or, or maybe a coach who's applying this to his athletes uh, to be able to do that, um, to be able to understand, you know, that individual's energy pie. And I know for you, there, there is that practical work with some NFL quarterbacks right now. So I, I you know, and uh, without, naming names, how, you know, how do you go about that? Or could you provide us an example of how that works? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's best. I'll start with what I take from the coaching perspective and then Mayer can chime in with what he does from a clinical perspective. Uh, so what, what I do and what we do is, again, and this is specific to each athlete, so we're going to devote different percentages to, to each guy depending on their strengths and weaknesses, right? But we're going to devote, first and foremost, we're going to lay down a percentage for what you want to invest your pie in. So where are we going to devote our energy to on a daily basis? And we're going to create an understanding of that through self, like Mayer said at the onset of his piece um, in terms of stability, through an understanding of self-identity. And he referenced it in terms of being a husband, a father, a boyfriend, um, you know, whatever it might be, uh, where, you know, a son, uh, where are we investing that energy at, right? So, um, and it, and it has to come to a percentage. So if I, if I get a sense, and this is always the easiest example, you know, if I have friends that come in for a game 
and, you know, they want to go out to eat and they want to, you know, go out to the club after the game and they want to hang out with me. I'm devoting a significant amount of my energy pie that I may not be able to, you know, whereas like, hey, you know, after the game, I'm just relaxing. I usually don't have anything to do. Well, that if you start to fill that time up with activity, you're devoting energy to that activity. So we try and foster an awareness or a mindfulness at the base level for that basic example um, of where are you really devoting your energy. That's number one. Uh, number two, within that, what we're going to do then is, is optimize based on where your strengths and weaknesses are, where you devote the energy to your practice and to your training. So that may be through visualization. That may be through uh, pattern recognition. That may be through um, uh, uh, identification of different, you know, from a truly a, an X and O standpoint, identification of different tendencies, uh, a heightened statistical awareness on, on where you're lacking on the, on the field, right? So, and that's got to come through film reflection. That's got to come through uh, preparation, you know, perspective opponent preparation. You know, what are we, are we teaching the, how much are we devoting to teaching the principles of the X's and O's? How much are we devoting to, is, is that an area that you're deficient in? Are we instead devoting a, a focus on being mindful of your own visualization of your practice, right? So give us insight as to, you know, what you, what you see pre-snap, where your energy and where your focus and attention is at pre-snap, and how do we manage that on a given play or on a given game day? I think that all those things are, are important. You know, if we're devoting a ton of energy, for example, with the quarterback uh, example that you laid out, you know, if we're in a situation where we have to devote a lot of energy pre-snap to identifying a defense, then we're really not in a position to say that we really know what we're looking at. And if we're not in a position to, to know what we're looking at, then that's going to take away from our energy that we devote to execution. So we, what we try and do is create an awareness and then do what we can to supplement education in those areas. And, and Mayor, you know, I don't know if you want to add some of what you do from a, a stability standpoint of, of, of not, I want to say controlling, but um, bringing awareness to the, to the athlete's mindset within that and um, management of that within that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, some of this is difficult to sort of talk about, you know, very uh, specifically because, again, as Joe said, this is a very individualistic right. uh, approach. And, and so, you know, what I typically do in conjunction with Joe is we'll, we'll sit down and just take an inventory, right? Like we'll just sit down, we'll talk with the athlete and we'll go through the behavioral, the emotional, the physiological, the, the spiritual, the family, and we'll put all that down on, on, on paper, so to speak. And, and again, understand who they are. And it, it's surprising when you go through that exercise with many athletes, it, it's something they, they just haven't stopped to think about. And so I think many um, high performance athletes, um, find a lot of um, uh, benefit of going through that exercise because th they suddenly have awareness around things that that are that are or are not important to them, um, which then can help direct how we talk about practice habits and study habits and behaviors and what are the things we can eliminate? What are the things that we, you know, many people engage in activities that, that they think are important or that they think they enjoy, but then when they look at the whole scope of things, they don't really necessarily find that that's a, a priority. So 
so it really is a uh, what I would say a multimodal approach, right? There's a lot of education that happens. Um, I, I usually uh, will will uh, have them read uh, a chapter of something. We'll sit down. We'll talk about it. Kind of figure out how that applies to their particular situation. Uh, one of the other exercises I do with a lot of athletes is I, I'll ask them to to write a mission statement, their mission statement, right? As a person, what is their mission statement? Just like as if they were a business or a corporation, like what is it that we're trying to do here? And, and again, that's an exercise that allows them to think about their, their purpose, their approach, their commitment, kind of where we're going and, and what's important to them. Um, and so I, I think we take all of this collectively uh, we'll talk about sleep, sleep habits, you know, from a clinical point of view. We'll talk about uh, nutrition. We'll talk about mental health, mental wellness, um, and, and again, put it all down. And, and, and it's a, it's a, uh, uh, a process that is constantly being revised, right? So every week we'll sit down, we'll talk, we'll go through things, and, you know, we'll even revise the mission statement, right? But find that we start with one mission statement and – two weeks into the work, it's like, Hey, you know what? I think I need to revise this. Okay. Let's revise it. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's see what's working, what's important to you. Um, and your mission statement at one point in your life can be very different than it is six months later or a year later. Um, and so again, all of this is sort of about awareness and understanding of, of who you are as a person. I always use the analogy. Um, you know, if you think of the energy pie, um, all the stuff we've talked about, you know, in terms of the, the coaching elements and the preparation and the clinical elements and the psychological stability, those are all slices of the pie. Um, the stuff we're talking about now is the crust, right? Like what makes up the crust, the foundation of, of how we're going to achieve, um, you know, maximal preparation um, or psychological stability. Um, because if you don't address the crust, it doesn't matter. The slice is not going to be very stable regardless of how you, how you break it up. And I, and I think, Keith, just to piggyback off of what, what Doc just said, you know, it's and, – and I'm trying to think of it as, as it pertains specifically to your audience that has a, a devoted football interest to the quarterback uh, position and what we've been able to do in that realm. Um, you know, for us, it, it, it what Mayer's talking about and what, you know, what I'm referencing in terms of pattern recognition, visualization, a lot of those things – um, and, and the inventory that we're talking about taking really at the ground level, the establishment of goals and objectives, you know, those things are universal to all athletes, right? And then we try and whittle down uh, from that ways to enhance the technical and tactical understanding uh, for the athletes. So whether it be through looking at pictures or X's and O's and things like that, those are activities that we engage in paralleling as it pertains to the quarterback position, paralleling to what you might have with a, with a tutor for a classroom. Um, and as it pertains to all athletes in general, just getting down those foundational pieces and simplifying the thought process for the athlete allows them to bring about a great deal of clarity and focus. And again, you know, it declutters their mind. It, it refines and defines their pie in such a sense that they're able, they're free in a sense to then be able to really dive into the technical and tactical side of their craft. And by, by diving into it like that, um, by clearing that space for them, now what, you, what you've been able to do is optimize performance in a sense. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the goal of, of every single thing. I think the difference in what we do with quarterbacks is we do get specific in terms of uh, some of our technical and, 
and tactical teaching and ways to to benefit that position specifically um, because of my background. Uh, but but the principles, the overarching themes, really are universal. Could apply to a swimmer. Could apply to a golfer. And we you know we've we've worked with athletes in in those realms as well. And uh, we'll devote the same amount of attention to those goals, objectives, and and taking that inventory, attaching those percentages to those same kind of athletes. All right, we're uh, I mean we've touched on a lot of these things as I'm looking at G and I'm, I'm um, a couple of things. Uh, one, I I would and I'm, I'll cut this out when I'm talking about. It. I would kind of like to talk about meditation practice. Um, that's just honestly an area I've become more and more interested in and um, I think is uh, is useful given today's uh, level of distraction and um, you know how everybody I guess for lack of better terms is always multitasking and they got their phone in front of them and are talking to somebody and doing something else um, the, the so that practice of meditation how it could be helpful you know the mindfulness part and then I guess my question would be, uh, how, how do we want to wrap? How do we want to bring it to a conclusion here? Well, I think I'm really comfortable in speaking on some of the meditation stuff, and I can start there. And um, then, Mayor, you could help me fill in the gaps and, and add more some of the science behind it. I've kind of started from an athlete's perspective. I don't know how you feel, how you want to wrap it up, Mayor, or if we, you know, I kind of got long-winded in terms of talking about ways that you keep you might have to edit some of that stuff sure. out if they got too got too boring on the practice habit stuff you know i'm trying to think of a way to curb it you know it's a tough deal because it's not a it's really an individualized practice right like there's a reason why you know you work with one-on-one athletes so i'm trying to think of a. I was trying to expound on a way to try and apply it to a team i'm not sure i did a great job of doing that no i mean that that's okay i, I do think you know, just like education today, Joe, I mean, you you can't have a cookie-cutter approach to every student in your class, and you have to figure exactly. out a way to individualize exactly. it, yet, yet bring it together, because, you know, you're only one person. So, I mean, I do think you, you made your I just think there. of a high school coach, high school coach, you know, like, if you told me to try and up, apply Energy Pie as a high school coach to a room, to, the, to my entire team, you know, or a small staff high school, I just don't think it's possible. It, it takes... One on, it would take you know, one on one engagement with each individual athlete. It's it's a it's a practice devoted to you know high performance college and sure. pro athletes more than that. Well, than anybody I think that part of it know. though is being being yeah. cognizant of it, the education behind it, and for those exactly. guys, just understanding it, I think, is important. Can they apply it to everyone? No, but now you go in with a different lens as you educate yourself on these things. I, I would agree with what you just said, Keith. I think like it, we can't apply it, you know, practically speaking, you know, with with a hundred athletes at, at any given time. But just the concepts I think are important, um, and and people starting to think about like why they do certain things or or how they do certain things. Um, what we do is obviously like hold the hand of, of of individual athletes and really kind of deliberately make them go through this exercise on a on a consistent basis because I think. What happens with a lot of this stuff is people will, um, you know, they'll think about it and then they'll, they might spend, you know, an hour of their day thinking about it and going through this like routine and this exercise. And then it's, it's, it's just not something that people, you know, will continue to come back to. 
regularly, and that's where I think it's easy for it to kind of fade into the background again and, and normal or, or your, your, your habits start to take over, right? And so when you're, anytime you're talking about changing habits, it, it really requires re- repetitive reinforcement of, of what it is you're trying to change and, and especially things like thinking and behavior and, and those kinds of things. And so, um, again, there's a, there's a spectrum of this. So, As you guys talk about all these things, I mean, to me it's – as a coach and let's say I was that small college coach or that high school coach who maybe doesn't have the resources or players maybe don't have the resources to do this individual work, but it's being able to educate your players on all those different things. And in some ways, maybe putting together uh, a a self-survey instrument or something that makes those players a little bit aware of their habits, maybe helps them identify some problems. And, And then as a coach to, to what you know about it, you're able to address some of those things. So while you guys do some very specific work with uh, elite athletes, this is still through, you know, listening to you guys, maybe digging into some of those topics a little bit more, certainly available for the coach who wants to put a focus on maximizing mental performance. No, I would agree uh, wholeheartedly with you, uh, Keith. I think, you know, they're, High school athletes, I think, uh, are, are, I mean, you have to start somewhere. And I think that uh, although our program is designed to work with individual athletes on an a intensive or semi-intensive basis, I think there are a lot of um, uh, overarching uh, principles here that I think many coaches uh, and, and others in your audience uh, that are listening that I think can take away from this and apply them to their, to their team. They may not have the time. Um, to uh, dedicate, you know, working with every single individual in a very sort of deep way and getting to what I, you know, what I would say the crust of the, of, of the person. But, but I think, you know, understanding who people are and, and teaching your student athletes and your players about, you know, thinking about purpose, thinking about approach, thinking about commitment, I think is, 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 is critical uh, to success. I know one of the things you guys do, and it really has become something um, I've been uh, interested in and and working on is meditation practice, this idea of really working on mindfulness. And there's obviously so many things that can gain your attention right now. And, you know, as you guys talk about, take from your energy pie. So being able to understand how that meditation practice works, I think, can be useful not only to the athlete, but but to coach a coach or really, you know, any professional, anybody who has to put their focus on something to, uh, to be able to be successful. If you would share, you know, your thoughts on how meditation really works and can be beneficial to the athlete and to the coach. Yeah. I'll, I'll kind of start with that Keith and I'll try and bring, you know, uh, a layman's perspective to it first and then the year can get into some of the science behind it. I think, you know, what's, when, when you're thinking about meditation, when you're thinking about mindfulness, right, first off, you have to have, you know, we're talking about energy, you have to devote energy to it. You have to be willing to commit to uh, an understanding that you want to step into that realm. And it's not going to be easy at the onset, right? You have to be intentional with your practice um, and you have to be consistent. And it, and it really isn't all that different than, than a lot of the principles we're talking about in terms of it takes effort. It takes discipline. You have to uh, identify, you know, how much time can I devote to it, et cetera. 
because it is you are going to have to invest in it. Uh, it you know, as it as it pertains to me and my practice, and really what I try and educate our guys on as a coach, but also educate our guys on with ACE um, is you know a really you have to do an intentional job of clearing your mind. And we're so obsessed today with constant the constant buzzing of a cell phone, the ding of a, a Twitter alert or an Instagram uh, post. You have to be intentionally clearing your mind uh, without distraction. And, you know, the, the, the essence of the practice, we can get into body positioning, we can get into breathing and, and that, and maybe Mayor will touch on some of that. But from an from a athlete's perspective, I think the toughest thing, or from just an, a young person today's perspective, I think the toughest thing that guys need to start with is um, an understanding of, hey, I want to think about nothing. I want to let go of what I've been thinking about. I want to let go of the distraction of what's my schedule look like today. Let go of the distraction of what do I have a test today? Do I have practice today? What does the install look like? What does the what is the workout going to consist of? What did my girlfriend do last night? You have to let go of those thoughts, and you have to intentionally let go of those thoughts and go to a place where you are calm. And uh, and calm is is you know, is relative. I think it's easier. It's, it's much easier to sit here and talk about it and say it than it is to actually get there. But you have to intentionally empty your mind. And the thought process behind doing that is you create, uh, eventually, as you get better at your practice, you create a place that is without distraction and without bias and without um, feelings of pressure or emotion. You've eliminated those emotional elements and you've created a space for your mind to go to where you can, where it can be pure again. And when you practice consistently and develop your practice uh, intentionally, you can utilize that as an athlete then to return to that space in, in high pressure moments, to return to that space in uh, when, when you're in a slump as a hitter, return to that space after you've thrown two interceptions. And by returning to that space, you can reset yourself in a sense. And by resetting yourself, what you're able to do is kind of hit the pause button on everything that's happened before, hit the pause button on everything that might happen in the future, and then come to a place where we're absent of those things, absent of emotion, absent of outcome, and we can reset our focus purely on the process of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, But what you have to realize is that you have to practice getting to that space. And it's not easy. You know, we talk all the time about athletes being in a zone or, uh, you know, being on fire. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, some of that, not all of that, but some of that is a byproduct of being able to eliminate distraction and eliminate pressure, eliminate emotion, and allow your, your mental space to truly be clear so that your body can execute the tasks that it knows what to do, knows how to do, at the highest degree of performance possible. Mayor, from your standpoint, um, anything to add to what Joe had to say? Yeah, you know, I, I think that whenever we talk about or, or hear the word, you know, mindfulness or meditation, these are very, as, as I think Joe said in your last podcast, very, very sexy sort of terms to talk about right now. I, you know, I always, and it can be a very abstract sort of thing for people to sort of, um, wrap their heads around, um, especially in, in the current climate we live in where, where there is so much 
stimulation, um, it's just, it's hard for people to, to, to pause um, as meditation requires. So when I, when I talk to um, athletes, there are, there are really five things that I, that I try to stress about meditation. Uh, the first thing I always tell them is meditation works, right? There are very clear, there's clear and documented evidence of changes, physiological changes that are happening in the brain and in the body when you do meditation, right? We know that it decreases pain. It decreases the chemical stress response. We know that it can, it can affect, it can lower your heart rate. There are just very positive things that can happen when you engage in meditation. So it's not just about sort of this psychological benefit, but there are true physiological benefits that come from medication, med- meditation. Number two, I always tell them, um, keep it short when you're starting, right? Don't try to sit down and do meditation for 10 minutes or 20 minutes uh, when you're first getting started because I find that, you know, after a minute or two, it, it's hard to sit there for 10 minutes and, and not move or not think about other things, right? So keep it short and, and you know, even if it's just a minute or two, I think you're more likely to build on that than you are to, because uh, if you try five or 10 minutes, I know when I first started doing meditation, you know, five minutes uh, seemed like an eternity. Um, number three, um, I, I, I tell people, you know, Joe talked about, you know, getting to a place, you know, of sort of a, a empty mind. You know, there, there is a place you want to get to eventually if you continue to practice good meditation and consistent meditation. Um, but in the beginning, you're gonna, there's going to be a lot of what I call noise, right? There's going to be all kinds of thoughts that run in and out of your head when you're trying to just sit there. Um, don't force it, right? Don't force trying to get rid of thoughts in your head. I think there's a lot of value and a lot of benefit to listening to the noise, right? Um, because we are so distracted and we live in such a, a busy world, um, there are all kinds of thoughts that come in and out of our heads that we don't pay any attention to, right? That I think has significance. And so in the beginning, you know, when you're getting started, just embrace the thoughts, right? Just just tune into what, what you're thinking about, right? Because a lot of times that can be um, very enlightening. Um, number three, try to be consistent, right? Um, again, don't strive to do it every day right off the bat. Otherwise, you're going to feel like you've, you've failed, right? Start off, say, hey, I'm going to try this once a week, or I'm going to try this, start out, I'm just going to do this twice a week for two minutes at a time, and then it'll be easier to build on. So the consistency is important. Um, and then lastly, I tell, I tell everybody when I talk about meditation, you know, there are all kinds of apps and programs to do meditation out there, guided meditation, and not one is the best one for everybody, right? So you have to kind of, what I tell people is just explore, see what's out there, download a couple meditation apps um, and, and go through it, right? And because some of them are going to have a male voice, some of them are going to have a female voice, some you're going to like the cadence of the voice, some you're not. And if you, if you don't explore that and you wait till you're distressed or you're stressed or you're, you know, you're in a crisis and then you're trying to find, you know, how meditation can work for you. It, it, it becomes very difficult to uh, implement at that point. So the best time to implement it is, is when you're feeling relatively calm, relatively, you know, stress-free um, and, and just start exploring and, and download some things. And, and you'll find that, that some, you just can't stand the voice if, if you're doing guided meditation. Um, and if, 
you know, which again will kind of help go through the breathing and, and some of the things that you uh, want to incorporate when you're doing meditation. Um, but that's that's a good place um, to start. So those are the, really the five things that I tell people every time we talk about meditation. Well, guys, I know this was a, a lengthy podcast, but I think there's a lot of valuable information here, and especially for those coaches or who are interested in how do you become elite and looking at some of the different things they need to study. So I, I appreciate what you guys are doing and how you've really found a synergy between uh, you know, the psych- psychiatry and the performance that you put together in ACE Sports. And I appreciate you guys taking time to share it with us here. No, thanks, Keith. I really appreciate uh, the invitation and, and being able to talk about this uh, today. Thank you very much, Keith. I appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure to get a chance to chat to you. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.